from the Samira Foundation, this is Demystifying NMO and Mod, where we bring together the world's foremost experts, the doctors dedicated to studying it, and the patients who live with it every day, with support from Genetech. Hello, and welcome back to Season 4 of the Demystifying NMO and Mod podcast. We're kicking things off with a very special guest, Candace Galvin. Not only is Candace a wonderful mother, a dear friend, and an ardent advocate, she's also the host of the Smire Foundation's Human Collective Project. Candace is one of those people that has an infectious smile and a warmth that allows people to talk openly about their struggles, whether the person is having medication issues, struggling with mental health, or just needs a place where they can vent to friends. HCP is a place to do it. Now, Candace manages to create a space where someone can share all those intimate details of their life and their health but also rally those that are on the call to support the person who's in need. She has the ability to welcome newcomers and draw even the shyest attendees into the conversation. I remember one evening while listening to a patient tell a group about a medical issue that they were um, dealing with, and it was something that would elicit giggles from a gaggle of fifth graders. I realized that the skill it takes to respectfully manage a conversation such as that, and then it dawned on me. Her genuine displays of compassion and empathy have made her a caregiver for the caregivers. That was her superpower. It is her superpower. So without further ado, Candace. I feel like you're one of the people that in the NMO community that everybody tends to know, or at least knows your name. And your story is really powerful. And I was hoping you could share it with us and tell us about how you came to be an ambassador for the Smire Foundation. Yes. So when... And thank you for that compliment. Really, that is that has been my intent since Bella got sick is making a name for her um, so that nobody ever forgets who she is or, you know, never forgets our family. So the way that her journey with the NMO started was she was nine years old and the day before her sickness hit, Uh, We were at her school where I was working, and I'll I'll never forget this day. She had asked if she could go to the playground and play, and I told her no because we had so much stuff to do at home and that we would do it the next day. Um, And that next day, we woke up, and I had just happened to have the day off so that I can run some errands. And um, when Bella woke up, she was not feeling good. And so I thought it was, you know, maybe a stomach flu or something like that. Um, She was feeling really nauseous and just not herself. And so I let her skip school and she went with me to run the errands. And from there, she just got sicker the next day. She was vomiting, not as often as, you know, the next couple days, but um, she had all the symptoms of a stomach flu or a stomach bug. So, you know, the next day she just kind of kept getting worse and we took her into the emergency room and uh, the first one that we took her to ended up just sending us home. So... After a few days of Bella being sick and nauseous and with the vomiting, we took her into her pediatrician who said that, you know, maybe she just had a stomach flu. 
And the next day I took her to an adult hospital because by this time my concern was that she was getting dehydrated. Um, so I took her to this adult hospital. They gave her a bag of IV and or of IV fluid and said, um, you know, she'll be fine. And so we we came home, but then within an hour of us being home, Bella could no longer walk. So I took her into a children's hospital that was near us and they did some blood work and found that Bella had pancreatitis and I have chronic pancreatitis. So it kind of made sense to me, but really did not make sense because kids shouldn't, they should not be getting pancreatitis, especially so young. So we children's ended up admitting her and within the next two days um she was just so sick she started getting the hiccups and she was um also vomiting and had to be put into a medically induced coma because Bella would go to hiccup and then um she was also trying to retch so with the hiccup and the retching she was choking and lost her ability to swallow. She also had blurry and shaky vision. So she was just very, very sick. And it took us, it took us about a week and a half to two weeks to get her diagnosis. And just between that time, she had coded a code blue on the MRI table um, her doctors were terrified to have her leave the room just because they didn't know what was going to happen. And when the doctors said that Bella had NMO um, or neuromyelitis optica, it was, I felt so lonely. I never wanted anybody else, not an adult, not a kid to ever go through this diagnosis and feel alone. So that is where I started being involved with the Sumaira Foundation. And I messaged her and sent her a video of Bella in the hospital. And uh, she wrote back almost immediately and um, was at dinner at the time, but started, you know, said that she was crying and had to meet Bella. So, um, you know, we arranged a meeting and kind of the rest is history from there. <laughs> that had to be terrifying. Yes, it was. It was the scariest thing that I've ever been through. Um, and not knowing how, you know, how your child is going to come out or um, what this journey is going to look like at the time there really was no support group. So um, there wasn't really anybody that I felt I could go to to ask questions or that, you know, was so informed about NMO. So it was a very, very lonely start to, to this diagnosis. I can't even begin to imagine. But one thing I think that's interesting, and I had talked to uh, Dr. Maggie Kang about it also, was how do you balance being a mom and, and giving her the room to kind of be a kid or in Bella's case, young woman, and still kind of keeping them safe and managing very complex medical needs. So the way that 
we, one of the things that is, has been so important for me for this whole journey is that Bella knows she can do anything that she wants to in life. Um, her journey is rare and, um, it's not a journey that, you know, a lot of people will ever know in their lives. So from the time that she was diagnosed and first got sick, um, it was important for me to teach her how to advocate for herself and for me to be that example for her as far as advocacy and, you know, just kind of research. I wanted to know everything I could about NMO so that I can teach it to Bella. And I've just taught her that, you know, there's there's no limit to anything that she can do in life. And I think that that has really taken us far. Bella now knows how to advocate for herself. It's been about six years since she was diagnosed um, with NMO and she knows how to advocate for herself. She knows those little, um, she knows how to track her symptoms. So if, if she's experiencing nerve pain in her feet, she knows exactly how to explain that. She knows her ability to be in the heat and not get overheated, um, which is also, you know, very common in NMO. Um, And she, if something is wrong, she knows exactly when to say it. You know, even recently she was in a cadet program with our local police department. And I was so proud of her one night for calling the uh, police commander and letting him know that she has a rare illness and she was experiencing a migraine. So she wasn't able to attend. And that was, that was such a touching moment for me because, you know, it shows that um, she knows how to advocate for herself and, Um, Even with potential employers in the future, she, you know, she, she's going to be very good at explaining what exactly her needs are, but living with no limitations. She's always so quiet from when I've talked to her and and when I met her and the thing I love about her, like she has, she just has this, this, this confidence and this strength about her. Um, So I can definitely see her being able to make that call, which is impressive. I don't think most adults would be willing to call a police commander and be like, Hey, I don't feel good today. I'm not going to be not going to be in. Right? Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, to hear her leave that voicemail, I was like, Oh, good for you, Bella. And, (laughs) you know, everybody's just so understanding. And I think that that's super helpful, too. Um, That's kind of one of the things that I taught her is just to be upfront and you know, um, give that information, you know, to people who need it about her illness. And and she's so good at advocating. So, you know, that just makes me so hopeful for her future. Absolutely. So you invest a lot of time and energy into building awareness about NMO. And I always see that your name's always involved in patient advisory councils, patient days, legislative events. So did you have interest in advocacy prior to her getting ill um, or is it building your own voice in that context was that something that bloomed out of your involvement with this with the foundation one of the things with advocacy 
going back to when Bella was diagnosed with the NMO, um, when the doctors, when her team of neurologists came into the ICU room that Bella was in, um, they wrote the the name neuromyelitis optica on her on Bella's little window for her room. Um, and, you know, when they told me she was, they had a diagnosis, um, they, I was waiting for a brochure or additional information about the illness and um, there was nothing. And her doctor shared that there is, you know, there's not a lot that's known. There was no brochures um, at the time. And so my promise to Bella was that nobody was ever going to forget her or this journey. And um, I was going to learn all I could about NMO and help others share that knowledge. I mean, knowledge is power and um, being informed is excellent. Um, when Bella was diagnosed, her, you know, again, I thought there was going to be brochures, but her doctors told me to Google what NMO was. And, um, you know, I, I went on to uh, Google and Googled NMO. And one of the first things that showed up was that there's a five-year lifespan for yep. somebody that's diagnosed. And that was terrifying for me because Bella was nine years old um, in elementary school with a whole life ahead of her. And, you know, so I made a promise to her that her fight is my fight. And I've, I've just dedicated my life to helping others and being the best advocate for Bella. And, um, you know, even in this rare space, there's not a lot, rare illnesses are very, very difficult to to have and just to live with. And so I, I've seen so many opportunities for support and helping others. And I've always, you know, dreamed of helping others. So, um, so yeah, I, I just learned all I could and I wanted to be that voice for Bella. So that's what I've dedicated my life to. <laughs> As all this is going on and, and you're learning about NMO yourself, how did you explain that to a nine-year-old? And did you explain the disease or like, how do you communicate how she's perceiving what's happening to her? So I think that one of the biggest things was to, one of the most important things is to find somebody or, you know, um, find resources where you can ask people questions. I think, you know, again, knowledge is power and being able to have support and have resources out there to ask questions to. Um, and with Bella being so young, I, my, my thing with her is to explain things to her in a way that she can understand for her age. Um, so at first, when she was diagnosed, we were going through the pain scale with all the smiley faces, um, which that's what kids do. And um, 
you know, she, she kind of just learned how to advocate for herself. And then um, for me, it was important to reach out to others that have had this illness and um, kind of getting their insight on what symptoms are and, you know, and just explaining that to Bella. And, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through all those symptoms and have symptom trackers and, you know, everything I I've done has been according to what her age is and what her understanding would be. I can't imagine trying to learn all of that as an adult and then condense it down and make it age appropriate for a child whose their world is is literally collapsing in on them. I, I can't mm-hmm. even begin to wrap my head around it. I think one of our most difficult challenges has been with um, school. So, you know, it's very difficult to explain exactly what Bella's going through with her school and making sure that there's accommodations that help support her. And I think that that's one of the big gaps is the education part for kiddos with, with rare diseases or rare illnesses. And so it would be amazing for us to be able to, you know, kind of look into that that education part, because that is something that, you know, I still struggle with and Bella still struggles with. And I think it's so important to have an understanding and really have a good plan as far as education goes, while still knowing that there are no limits for her. Right. To shift gears a little bit, being the Colorado ambassador, I have to ask, Colorado is interesting for the fact that they were one of the first states to legalize medical marijuana. And surprisingly, it seems like marijuana is often left out of the pain management discussions, uh, from my experiences. As an advocate with tremendous outreach to people who are living with chronic pain um, in the work that you do, what have your experiences been with how medical marijuana is perceived? So, um, you know, with Colorado, we're kind of we've kind of been a pioneer with medical marijuana and kind of honing in on how to, you know, how to, how to use it and the benefits that it has. I mean, it's something that's natural. Um, It, it helps, it helps alleviate that pain. Um, It helps with nausea. There's so many different, um, things that medical marijuana helps with. Um, and it it is not always mentioned as part of a care plan or anything like that. You know, kind of a backstory. When I was growing up, my great grandma used to have a jar of this ointment that was it was marijuana in a jar and (laughs) (laughs) um she used to use it and so from an early from an early age I kind of knew like hey this kind of helps and so um when Bella was diagnosed with NMO um you know I one of the things was pain management and so um 
having that ointment and, you know, from my past experience with my great grandma, knowing how it helps um, alleviate pain. That was one of the things that I asked her, her doctors is, you know, if, um, or Bella's doctors is if, you know, she's experiencing pain. Um, is there any way I can use an ointment on her um, to kind of alleviate that pain? Uh, one of the most important things, it, you know, before you decide to use medical marijuana is to discuss it with your doctor um, and, you know, make sure that, you know, it's okay. And um, just to kind of have that conversation and be open with it. Um, Bella's doctor, you know, I mentioned with her, her feet pain, um, and that nerve pain, we use an ointment for her on the bottom of her feet and it's, and it alleviates the pain almost instantly. Um, and so, you know, that is one thing that her doctor said is, you know, the ointment, it's just a, you know, it's just a lotion, um, that you put onto her and, you know, she's not smoking or anything like that, but, right. you know, having, there's so many different products out there right now that can help, um, you know, with medical marijuana, as far as, you know, helping with pain, helping with nausea, helping, um, with anxiety sometimes. And so that is, you know, that's something that, um, Bella has always known that, you know, that it's some, it's a medicine, it's a medication right. and it helps and it alleviates. I think there's a lot of stigma to, um, you know, marijuana and medical marijuana. And, you know, I think that Colorado is, is really a pioneer state as far as, you know, helping, um, helping support people who, you know, are going through a lot of different ailments. Going back to her story, in your Voices of NMO story um, that you had written, there was one thing in there that really caught me. You said, my youngest daughter, my baby girl was so sick laying in her hospital bed. As I reassured her, sang to her, tried to make her comfortable, prayed and told her a million times to fight. And that as her mom, I would fight right along with her. So I don't think that there's anyone who knows you that would read that and not see in their mind that nurturing nature that you have. You're the consummate cheerleader for everyone. And that leads me to the work that you do as a, the facilitator for Smire Foundation's Human Collective Project. If you had to describe it in five words or less, what would it be? Oh, uh, five words or less. I think providing support for the NMO community. <laughs> that might have been six words. <laughs> That's okay. We'll let you slide. But <laughs> um, how did you get involved with it? So I, the Human Collective Project was something that began in 2020 during the pandemic when everything was chaotic in the world and people needed an outlet. People, you know, nobody was leaving their houses um, and 
the Human Collective Project has just really taken off and it really provides that support. I think one of the most important things in this rare journey is to ask questions to those who are experiencing the same thing. And the Human Collective Project has been an outlet for people to come for support and ask questions. Um, you know, we, we laugh, we cry, we get angry, we get frustrated, um, you know, all the things. But the most important thing to know is that there is that support. And it, it, the, the project has now expanded to an international project. And there, you know, there's so many different support groups around the world. And it's, it's patients talking to patients about their experience. And I think that that is so important in this rare journey is to ask somebody questions that has been through this before. I mean, our, our doctors, neurologists, they're informed to a certain extent because they're not going through this. Um, and they know the scientific, the medical parts of things, but they haven't experienced it for themselves. So I think the Human Collective Project is such an important piece and part of the NMO and MOGAD journey because it's it's others sharing their experience and coming in for support. You know, part of me wants to name this Candace and Friends Human Collective Project um, because there are so many really inspirational people that come into these meetings and offer support or ask questions, share their experiences. Um, there's one one of my friends um, that has attended and just completed the New York City Marathon um, mm -hmm. with NMO and you know, to, it still gives me chills to think about, you know, and, and just to see how everybody's journeys evolve who come into H, uh, to the Human Collective Project or HCP. Um, and then also the support that they provide to, that we can all provide to new patients. Um, we often have new patients who are terrified with this NMO diagnosis or MOGAD diagnosis. And, you know, sometimes they come in and they've lost hope. And so it's, it's so comforting to me to know that we can provide that hope and um, be a resource, answer questions, share our experience, and also, you know, know that we're heard and know that know that there is support out there and there's others who are going through this rare journey. Um, so that's, I think, one of the most fulfilling parts of, uh, of the Human Collective Project. I remember the first time that I had joined one of the meetings. It was not what I expected. I went into it kind of with this notion that it was going to be really heavy, a lot of strong feelings, kind of sadness. And I logged in and there were people laughing. Um, I think there might have been a little bit of white wine involved, um, <laughs> I, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. Even when someone would bring up something that they were struggling with, you know, whether it was medical or just 
something in their life. It was always handled with compassion. I think that was really uh, what makes the the meetings so powerful, but also so effective. It was a great example of of community and the bonds and connections between people seem to be formed really quickly um, and they're very powerful. So what's a session like? Are there are there themes that you go into it with or do you just kind of go with the flow? Yes, so um, there are, you know, we have some times where we will do a theme. I'll ask, you know, attendees, um, what are the topics they want to talk about? I try to, there is so much negativity that is involved with an NMO or MOGAD journey because it is rare. It's very stressful. Google still says there's a five-year uh, you know, lifespan. And I want for everybody that's involved with HCP or coming in for a meeting to know that they are completely supported. And we're going to be there to listen, to share our experiences. Um, with there being so much negativity and fear, anxiety, you know, so many, um, so many things that are negative with NMO or MOGAD, it's important for me to kind of bring out that, um, that support and the positive side. So I always like to kind of start our meetings with um, sharing something positive that's happened, you know, in, in somebody's week or month or, you know, since the last time they attended um, and then just to check in with everybody, see if they have any questions. Um, we all kind of share where we're from, when we're when somebody was diagnosed, um, if it's a caregiver, if, if it's a patient. Um, and, you know, we, we try to share something positive because it's not all negative with NMO. There, there are positives in, you know, um, being able to walk five steps or, you know, getting out of your wheelchair and using a walker or going from a walker to a cane, you know, just things like that. Those little, those little accomplishments are huge and they should be celebrated. Um, and it provides inspiration to others. I know that in, in hosting these meetings, I'm very inspired by everybody's journeys and how, you know, we talk about there's no limits. Um, I share the same things that I share with Bella with, with those that, you know, attend HCP is that you, you may have NMO or MOGAD, but it does not have you and you are able to live a good life. Um, don't listen to Google. <laughs> there are, right. you know, there's so many things that have changed in the NMO and MOGAD world um, in the past six years since, since Bella's diagnosis. And I think that these support groups provide that inspiration with oftentimes we have um, attendees that, you know, are in a wheelchair, but then the next attendee is, um, you know, using a walker and to get that support and to know that, um, you know, that you can, 
you can improve and there is hope and there are there is positivity and the relationships that you create and um just the knowledge that you share it's it's so fulfilling i bet i bet um for anyone who's interested in attending how do they get invited and when are the calls so we have a few different meetings um the the human collective project that I currently host happens twice um, twice a month on Thursdays, and we usually send out promotions on social media. Um, there's a registration link; people can just register through that link. Um, a lot of a lot of attendees also request email reminders that you know that remind them that there's a meeting one of the things that that I've learned recently from a social media class is that you know if you advertise by posting a video it makes things so much more personable and it I think it's a a good segue into the meeting to know that you know, not everything is doom and gloom with the Human Collective Project. It is supportive. It's powerful. And anybody can join. So uh, we have several different Human Collective Projects throughout the world. And so uh, one of the other ones that I host is a global Human Collective Project. And that's held once a month on a Saturday, and it's people from all around the world that come together as one community in support of each other um, and the journey that they're in. So um, there's so many different ways to to join or attend a session. And the registration, they can do that through the website? Yes. So on the Sumira Foundation's website, there is an events calendar. Um, it's updated with all of the Human Collective Project meetings. There's links to each of the meetings throughout the world. And all somebody has to do is just click on that link and register. Um, and then it will send you a reminder. And we will promote reminders <laughs> on social media. But yeah, that is sumirafoundation.org and um, just go to the events calendar and all of the different support groups are located in that events calendar, the days, the times of the meetings, and then those registration links. Fantastic. And I'll make sure that that I post um, a link in the show notes so people can find the registration pages. And so it looks like I think there's eight different countries outside of the U.S. plus the global meeting. That's 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 impressive. Yes. Yeah, it really has grown so much um, since, since its inception. And our, our hosts are amazing. They're so amazing at what they do and just so supportive of the community. So it's, it's just such a beautiful and wonderful way that we can support. And also to mention the Sumira Foundation is the only foundation that does have the opportunity for people to join the Human Collective Project throughout the world. 
Oh, nice. I, I hadn't realized that. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts or anything that you want to want to share before you, before we go? Um, I just want to say I am so inspired by all who have, all who we've come across during this journey. There is so much inspiration from, that I get from others. And Bella has a whole family of NMO and MOGAD warriors. And to know that we have those connections and have that support has just been the most um, amazing feeling in life because this journey was so lonely and it's so terrifying. And to hear stories from others and to, you know, to be able to be on this podcast and, you know, share, share dreams, share aspirations and, and just provide that support has just been the most amazing thing. I'm so inspired by everybody and this support that that we have gotten and that Bella's gotten has proved that there are no limitations. There may be some little bumps in the road that we call turbulence, but you know, it's the support has allowed us to be where we are and it does not make NMO or MOGAD as scary as as scary as as it seems, especially online. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing the story of a very scary time in your life. Um, and I appreciate that Bella is willing to, to let you um, be a part of our community and be a champion for so many people out there that are still struggling to try and find their own voice. So thank you for joining us. We will talk yes. to you soon. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been an honor and um, to be able to be here with you today. I appreciate it so much and all the work that you're doing and getting this, getting this information out and the support out to others. Thank you.